This is Matt Hurt at Obsessive Viewer on Twitter. This is Tiny at Obsessive Twenty. Tyler. Wow. Just roll with it. Just roll with it. It's all good. This is Tiny at Obsessive Tiny on Twitter. And this is Mike, and you can find me at I am Mike White on Twitter. <laughs> this is ObsessiveViewer.com, the Obsessive Viewer podcast. Mike, I was kind of hoping that you would intentionally screw up to make fun of Tiny. <laughs> <laughs> this is Moik. <laughs> this is Moik Tiny. Moik with a Q. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, M-O-I-Q-U-E. Moik. Like there you it. go. Moik. I like it. I like it. Uh, welcome to the Obsessive Euro, where a weekly movie and TV podcast that covers a specific topic, be a genre, trope, movie, or show. Each episode, you can find back episodes at ovpodcast.com and find the blog version of the podcast at obsessiveviewer.com. And this week, we are talking about the Marvel Cinematic Universe uh, in honor of Age of Ultron coming out. How do you guys feel about, you know, stuff and things? It's, um, you'll see, you'll see as we go. I have mixed feelings about it. If you're, if you're a longtime listener of this show, you know I'm an avid comic book reader. Um, and I, obviously I'm on a show called Obsessive Viewer, so I'm an avid movie watcher. Um, and where, the the contact zones of those two genres, uh, if you ask me, don't always meet up so successfully. And so that's that's one of the things we're going to talk about on this podcast today. Nice, yeah. And to I, clarify, like, I like the stuff, the <laughs> things. Uh, I got some issues. Nice. Tiny, what do yeah. you think of Marvel Cinematic Universe's I effing love it, bro. Nice. Nice. Yeah, it's awesome. I'm not a comic book reader, mm-hmm. <laughs> but I am an, an avid movie watcher. Right. So... Nice. So Mike thinks he's all special. I'm uh I'm <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I'm special. I think I'm a big dork. <laughs> Which is awesome. It is. Uh I'm more in line with Tiny. Uh I and it's funny, and we'll we'll cover this as we go into our discussions. And to clarify, we're only gonna be covering the phase one uh of the Marvel Cinematic Universe movies this week, and then next week we'll pick up with phase two of uh and go on through to Age of Ultron. So phase one is Iron Man and the Incredible Hulk, Iron Man 2, Thor, Captain America, the First Avenger, and the Avengers. And we'll get to that in a moment. But first, uh, I enjoy the movies. I, I think I'm more enamored with the way that the the um, connected universe of the Marvel Cinematic Universe came together and how it's being expanded upon through very, very... Uh, a variety of different titles and expanse expansions through into other media. Word. Yeah. So, but in before, once again, before we get started on Iron Man, um, I want to address that, that we're going to be covering the movies. Uh, but I want to talk just briefly. Uh, I've seen agents of shield, uh, the first season and a half. I need to pick up the, the rest of the season two. And, uh, it's fun. It's fun. I've talked about it previously on the episode on on the podcast. It's uh it's a lot of good set decoration for the for the Marvel Cinematic Universe and that's that's fine by me. Uh and there's also Agent Carter and Daredevil. Agent Carter I'm only like 5 episodes into out of the 8 or 4 episodes out of the 8. And it's okay. Uh I'll talk about it probably in a potpourri <laughs> later on. But it's it's <laughs> you built up to that so much. I and did. it's okay. It's okay. Well, it's <laughs> it's 
not quite as like set decorating or or universe decorating um as Agents of Shield is. Like it isn't good background for it. It's just mm. history and it's kind of the characters are not as strongly drawn as uh as the characters in Agents of Shield. Gotcha. So maybe it'll get better in its second half. I've heard that it does. By the way, have you guys heard the the mild, mild controversy uh, about what Joss Whedon has said about Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and his movies and that it's kind of like out of canon. It's out of continuity because uh, in Ultron, it's not a spoiler. This has been out in the news. Um, uh, Agent Coulson is is still dead in the movies. Huh. Yeah. Oh. I've, I saw that he is, that he is uh, dismayed that they brought back Coulson for the TV show. Right. Um, I yeah. didn't know that they. I didn't know that they didn't connect it to. Uh, yeah, Agent he Ultron. has not. It's not going to. Interesting. That's very mm. interesting. I'm curious. I'm kind of glad about it. I, Me too. I kind of like that. It's yeah. It's nice that he has the clout to uh, to kind of you know not. Um, there's so much talk behind the scenes about filmmakers having to follow Marvel's formula and stuff like that. I'm talking about the rumors with uh, Edgar Wright and Ant-Man. And it's so nice to see that Joss Whedon has the clout to, you know, not include Marvel's, some of Marvel's plans into, into age of Ultron. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, and really quickly about daredevil, it just premiered. Uh, I haven't watched any of it. I don't think either any, either you guys have. No. Um, I'll probably have it as a potpourri later. Uh, later in the summer. But uh our friends at the Nerds you're looking for, they did a whole episode devoted to it. They actually took off the t- they took off work the day that it was released and binge watched it. So <laughs> I'll put the link in the show notes as always. So that's cool. Yep. Dedication. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um we're dedicated though cuz Matt well, is yeah. taking off work an hour early. <laughs> I am an hour and a half early on <laughs> Thursday, so Oh, nice. So that me and Tiny can see the double feature. We were yeah, going to go with Fecus. Sorry. Uh, we were going to go with Fecus, but uh, I waited too long to buy my tickets and it sold out. So we were, we're going to a different theater. Yeah. Uh, Mike, what are your plans for Age of Ultron? I won't get to see it until Friday, actually. Ooh, and I'm a little embarrassed about sucks. it. Yeah. We we bought tickets forever ago to um, a Beatles tribute band. And their oh. name escapes me right at the moment. But they're apparently the, the premier, I think, American... Uh, Beatles tribute band in the country. They've been around for a long time. Like they're like the the number one tribute band. Uh, and we're seeing them on Thursday. And I just I don't want to go to a like an eleven o'clock or a midnight show. I'm just kind of right. too old for that these oh, days. Yeah. So I'll see it on the release date. I'll see it on May first. So nice. Well, that's yeah. cool. Well, if, yeah. you, if you have to have a reason, that's a good one. Yeah, yeah. it's the Beatles, man. Yeah, yeah totes. Um. No, no offense, but that's such an old person thing to say. <laughs> I can't go see this comic book movie because me and the wife are going to go see uh, a Beatles tribute. Band. We're going to see a Beatles tribute band, <laughs> and I got to make sure I get to bed on time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's fantastic! I would do the same thing. <laughs> yeah, it's the Beatles, man. Yeah, yep. It'll be awesome. We watched. Uh, well, whatever. They're on the on the PBS station around here. They had them on. And uh, we were like, man, that would be cool to go to. And they're basically advertising this show coming up. And so we decided to go to it. It's going to be fun. That's cool. I'm excited for you. But Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yes. Let's get down to business. Uh, Let's do it. Um, For for the uninitiated, if you don't mind, do you mind if I take a little uh, backspin through the history? Oh, please. Please do. Please. Um, 
and like I said, for the uninitiated, if you do know this, I please, I don't mean to offend. It's it's kind of uh, it's kind of out there for people who who do a little bit of digging. But if if you're fresh to the Marvel Cinematic Universe, everybody knows Marvel Comics was invented a long time ago. Um, came around a lot of, lot of popularity early on. Characters um, like the X Men and, and Spider Man got incredibly popular, and then in the '90s, comics started to wane a little bit. Um, and so they decided to start selling off the characters to different properties. Uh, Columbia Pictures and Sony bought Spider-Man. Uh, Fox bought Daredevil. They bought the um, uh, the X-Men and, and just several other properties went to several other homes because Marvel was just this small comic company. Um, and so as time grew on uh, and movies uh, – First of all, Blade. Blade made a little bit of money, but then X-Men came along, made a whole bunch of money, and then Spider-Man came along and changed the entire game, and Marvel was thinking, well, how do we get into this? Again, this was in um, 2002 when the first Spider-Man movie came out, and so Marvel was trying to figure out how to get into it. but of course they couldn't access some of the characters they had sold off. So they had this, this stable of characters left over, uh, you know, still some, some main players like, uh, Captain America and, and Hulk, which, uh, had mild success. Uh, and so they decided to make a movie and it was announced that they would make Iron Man, who by all intents and purposes at the time was like a C list character, mm-hmm. huh. right? N- nobody cared about Iron Man back then. And, and there's kind of a misconception surrounding that because of the popularity of Iron Man today. People think he's, uh, you know, he was one of the original Avengers. He actually predates Captain America in the Avengers in the comics. But, uh, so people think of him as the leader and, and, you know, because of Robert Downey Jr.'s performance, he kind of is the leader. I, I consider him the focal point of the whole Marvel Cinematic Universe. Um, but to, to come out with an Iron Man movie in 2008 as Marvel's first property movie, uh, Marvel Studios was, was pretty bold. Uh, they took a gamble there and the gamble paid off a lot. Yeah. And so they decided early on that they are, uh, much like their comics, they were going to, Kevin Feige is the, is the kind of the head of decision making out there, decided that they were going to make it a Marvel cinematic universe, uh, and over time hope to get back some of their characters. And so Matt, when you mentioned Daredevil, uh, uh, Fox's thumbprint over Daredevil kind of ran out and so um, they got Daredevil back and that's why we have a Marvel Daredevil show. Uh, It's also why there was such a quick turnaround just again for people who don't know why there was such a quick turnaround with the spider-man movies after spider-man 3 for amazing spider-man they did that because uh they didn't want to have to let the character go back to marvel so marvel has had to deal with what they've got and what they've got has turned out to be something special which brings us to iron man 2008 oh yeah uh Very well said, man. Very well said. Thanks. Um, I hope again. I hope that wasn't too dense, and I uh, and on the flip side, I hope it wasn't too obvious. I I hope I, I hope it was new (laughs) to some people. I'm I'm sure it will be. I learned some things. I do too. Well, cool. Yeah. So so Iron Man, a C list at bet, maybe B level. So like in 2008, uh, Spider Man was just everywhere. Spider Man was the character. Um. Uh. People were excited about the Dark Knight, but it didn't really. Until the the Dark Knight really didn't hit huge until the Dark Knight came out, right? And plus, it wasn't it wasn't it wasn't the comic book blockbuster that that like Iron Man and uh, Spider Man were. Yeah, like, it's right. it was unconventional, right? 
Uh, and also it's coming off of the, the least success, well, not the least successful, but the least critically praised X-Men movie. Um, and so the popularity of the X-Men, um, despite the amazingness that is first class and the pretty close to amazingness that is Days of Future Past, um, the, the popularity of X-Men has waned over time. And so like in 2008, it was like Spider-Man, and X-Men were probably the two most popular superheroes uh, and they were kind of on the on the downfall. Right. Um, and it was announced that that uh, um, Robert Downey Jr. would play Iron Man, yeah. which I love. It, oh, yeah. Well, so let's, so, so let's start talking about the movie. Yeah. Yeah. He's so freaking perfect. He yeah. is. And and when you view it in the context of I mean, like who was Robert Downey Jr. before? Before Iron Man, he like he was a disgraced actor who went to prison for drugs and all that, or I, I don't know his actual criminal past or anything like that. But he was he was very much you know he had burned out. He had burned out. He was very much mm-hmm. not like this was his resurgence, uh, and I think that it surprised people just as much as or it surprised him just as much as it surprised everyone else. Because like you said, BC level uh, character in a Marvel movie that wasn't spider-man <laughs> yeah so it's it was definitely a huge risk and man he just embodied this character so well yeah um i've i've been i've been going through the movies and slowly writing reviews i'm obviously not going to get any of them posted by the time that the time this episode gets out but i'm hoping to just gradually get my reviews posted throughout the summer maybe in the lead up to ant-man but Man, I just, when rewatching Iron Man, the opening scene is so, so good. And it's so impressive that they basically introduced the hero of the movie, the main character of the movie, out of his element in, like, in, in the Afghani desert with a bunch of soldiers. And so it's, it was just, it was, it felt like kind of a risk to just kind of throw this character in that scenario. And then through dialogue, just, just instantly, tell the audience what kind of personality he is and what kind of um what kind of reception his persona gets in the real world and it's just in every line of dialogue that's between him and the soldiers is so just so on point with char- the characterization of Tony Stark and then it's so it's so brief but in the way I phrase it in my review is when things get explodey you immediately, <laughs> no. you immediately care about Tony Stark strictly because of those 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 pieces of dialogue and everything. It's just it's just a, a really well constructed um, script in that opening scene. Um, yeah, totally. It sets the scene. It sets the it sets everything up really the entire right. franchise almost. Um, right. But yeah, I, I I know we're talking about the movie now, but again, just all the risks. <laughs> we yeah. keep using that word. Um, for the casting, obviously, we talked about Robert Downey Jr., but then also Jeff Bridges. I mean, everyone knew who Jeff Bridges was, but Iron Man was like his first movie that was ever in like ever a top blockbuster. Right, and he was like in his fifties huh. when the movie. Yeah, came that's out, true. You know? I mean, it was that's it was he really wasn't a movie star per se. Yeah. Uh, well, you could talk about the cult following of of Lebowski. like the big Lebowski. Yeah. It's probably the second biggest, but yeah, you said the word blockbuster. He he never had a blockbuster, that's for sure. Huh. Right. He was a big movie star. Yeah. And then on top of that, Gwyneth Paltrow I hadn't burnt out really, but you know, they could have gone with like I don't know, some they could have gone with like Scarlett Johansson or something. Well, she was the biggest <laughs> you know. star for sure, yeah. but in a superhero movie? Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. 
that's the risk. Right. Yeah. And then lastly, John Favreau. I mean, he directed <laughs> Elf. Right. You know, it's like it's a very far cry from from Iron Man. Oh yeah. Um yeah. so yeah, Marvel was just like they they took every dice they had and rolled it and oh, yeah. it just amazingly came together into this mm. movie. Mm-hmm. I love that it's also the kickoff of getting I don't want to say avant-garde and I don't want to say really left of center directors, but I love it's, it's the start of a series of really good choices for directors. We won't see that. Unfortunately, we won't see that too much, uh, necessarily in this phase one, but, uh, like the Avengers on, I love the choices they've made for directors, just not who you would think, but like mm-hmm. the perfect choices for, oh, you know what I mean? Like you would have guessed that the, that Michael Bay would, do the Avengers, you know, that's the easy choice. That's the obvious choice. Oh yeah. And it's interesting to me that they have, it it almost follows. And I think this comparison, I'm sure this comparison has been made, but it it follows an interesting production like dynamic because it's almost not like it's like, it's a movie production. Like the, the whole universe, the whole cinematic universe is kind of follows this template of almost like a like a TV series like you have Kevin Feige or Feige Feige he uh he's Feige, yeah. Feige he's like the executive producer he's he's the head of Marvel and he has this uh, encyclopedia encyclopedic wow encyclopedic knowledge of the of the universe and of of the uh, comics and all that stuff so he's almost like the showrunner of of the the show or the franchise as it were and then all these different directors each bring their own sensibilities and their own taste to each movie but they all follow that specific guideline it's like it's like a writer's room on a tv show where you have uh one showrunner who's in charge of everything but everyone has their own voice and they all kind of pair off and and work together and then they they put out scripts and stuff like that i don't don't know i just think it's an interesting approach to shared universe building and stuff like that and it's it's interesting to note that iron man Especially Iron Man and The Incredible Hulk, the first two movies that came out here, um, and we won't talk about Incredible Hulk until we talk about Incredible Hulk, but they both came out in 20, uh, 2008, and uh, they both came out within a couple months of each other, and you can really tell rewatching them that they were kind of, they not really flying by the seat of their pants, but in terms of building a universe, they it, you can tell that they kind of fell into this idea. Oh, absolutely. This idea. It's, let's oh, try yeah. this at the end. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And uh, I don't know about you, Mike, but and Tiny, I don't know if you remember this, but you and I watched Iron Man together after you had already seen it. Uh-huh. And uh, when, like, I didn't, I, I'd heard whispers about uh, Nick Fury and and Samuel L. Jackson popping up at the end of Iron Man, and then I remember seeing it, and then just going like, like, going like, oh my god, that is so awesome. And then yeah. Tiny kind of gave me a rundown, like, oh yeah, basically it's the this is all these different movies are going to lead up to the Avengers, and then it's going to be a big right. team up movie. And I was like. This is the greatest thing that's ever happened to I rem- cinema. <laughs> I remember being like, "No way, <laughs> they're not. They, they won't pull that off. Can't do that." Right. Four years down the road, <laughs> <laughs> I saw it. Um, I remember I saw it on a summer night. We like made a uh, we made a big deal out of um, going out to to see a movie all the time, and we saw this uh, Iron Man. I I think. I want to say we did a no, we did not do a double feature, but um, it was like we saw it the week after uh, the Strangers came out, which oh, was wow. like my movie of the summer up until Iron Man. Right. I don't know. It huh. was just so much fun. Um, oh, yeah. So my knowledge, if you guys don't mind, I I sure. guess I'll. I don't want to be that like 
I don't want to be the resident comic book nerd the whole time. <laughs> okay. Because you know? Tiny will just keep making fun of me, but um, <laughs> that that is just kind of my my area of focus. So okay. you, you'll have to forgive me. Um, but my my experience with Iron Man, again, he was such a low-level character that I didn't know a whole lot about him going into the movie. My my biggest experience with Iron Man was from uh, like summer 06 to 07, January. They did the, the Civil War. Mm-hmm. Um, and so people talk about in Iron Man how perfect Robert Downey Jr. is for the character. And he's really like the the witty, funny guy with the quips is not really the case as far as Civil War is concerned. So uh, while I loved Robert Downey Jr. and I love um, his portrayal of it, it's a, it's I think it's a new Tony Stark. It's a better Tony mm-hmm. Stark, but he's much more somber and much more serious in Civil War, at least uh, in terms of what I remember um, and so I remember thinking, I remember liking it better because he was funnier in the movie. Yeah, he was definitely very, uh, very likable. And and this kind of almost, I don't know, should I bring in my my issues with the movie, or should we kind of keep heaping praise on it? No, go ahead, <laughs> okay. go for it. Like I don't know if we wanted to kind of expound on the on the plot a little more, or if we want to go into kind of gripes and discussion about it. No, do it. Okay, so people have seen the movie. This right, is right. we are we are seven years late on our review of Iron Man. So <laughs> exactly, right? Let's uh, it's it's time. The luster has faded. Okay, yes. Yeah, so when I first saw it, I mean, I was absolutely in love with it. Robert Downey Jr. is fantastic in it. He's he's amazing. Uh, the the quips and and all the tinkering and and the origin story of of him is so much fun to watch because of his his charisma and his performance. And I will admit that after I saw it, I was very much floored by the idea of a team-up movie and a, and, a, and a shared universe and everything like that. But now watching it in the context of knowing that I have all of this stuff ahead of me and just, just trying to view it as a standalone action movie, superhero movie, I kind of found some interesting issues, I guess, with it, um, particularly with uh, – Obadiah, Obadiah Stein. The villain. The villain. And That's this... the key. That's the key oh, yeah. to a movie. The villain. Oh yeah. And, and we'll talk more about this. Uh, we'll, we'll talk, we'll talk more about this here in a bit, but, uh, the villains in the Iron Man movies kind of, they're always, they always kind of seem a little problematic. And uh, the first Iron Man for me is no different because, um, it's, it's Obadiah Stein, right? Stein. Yeah. Uh, he, goes through the whole movie and it's like he's it's it's presented as he's trying to get control of the company and he's a power hungry industrialist or whatever who's who's trying to usurp uh Tony's reign as as the head of Stark Industries and and now that Tony's back and he's he's getting um he's he has this newfound sense of duty and uh and and he wants to work on on not not giving weapons to to people and all that stuff. So it's presented for for about 3 quarters of the movie his motivation is strictly to gain control of the company uh, uh Stains is and Right. And it just it falls so flat to me because it's so the absence of a centralized villain in this movie is really felt and and Robert Downey Jr does such a fantastic job carrying uh the like the sequence of events, like I, I heaped a lot of praise on the opening scene, but from there we get a flashback that fleshes out more backstory, which is fine. And then we get the, his time in the cave where he sets up and, and he escapes, which is, which is fun. And it's, 
or, or it's a lot, it's thrilling, and we get a good action scene there. And then from there, we get him tinkering and and working through uh, how to do this. And then finally, I mean, like the villain presents his true like motivations and true nature and true um, villainy. Uh, <laughs> in the last like half hour of the movie and it kind of just, it's so muddied and it's so, it, it, it isn't cohesive, um, in a way for me. And that, that was kind of just a bummer to see that. Cause I, I really do love this movie. It's just, it's kind of, uh, the storytelling is a little bit dodgy. Well, it's the origin story problem, right? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. It's the, they, they got in a room and spent several hours coming up with an origin story and then said, okay, this will work. It's close <laughs> enough to the comic books and, and Tony Stark is going to be a badass. Where do we go from here? Right. Uh, and then they go, okay, <laughs> let's make a list of all the best Iron Man villains. Ready? Go. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> right. You know, yeah. that's what we're kind of spoiled with the likes of Batman uh, and, and uh, Spider-Man and even I don't really like Lex Luthor all that much, but uh, to a, to a less, lesser extent, in my opinion, Superman, the, the, you know, these um, iconic heroes with such impressive, oh, yeah. iconic, it was the word you were going to say, yeah. rogues galleries, there you go. Iron Man, uh, Whiplash, I guess, <laughs> Iron Monger, I guess, I don't know. It's, I don't know. Ultron, not even <laughs> Ultron is an Avengers villain. Mandarin yeah. in his super super racist uh depiction in the comics. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I I I agree it's the uh it is the the origin story problem. It mm-hmm. always ends up overshadowing that first villain and it's yeah. true of a lot of these movies even like if you look at uh Batman Begins which mm-hmm. isn't even in the Marvel universe, you know, Ra's al Ghul in the context of that first movie is sort of weak. That's true. A little bit. Yeah. You, you yeah. don't until the third the third movie in in Christopher Nolan's trilogy. You didn't really realize how pivotal he was, right? Um, but that first movie, he just seems kind of weak. Yeah, and, and yeah. That, I mean that movie also benefits from having also Scarecrow and right that's some other true. stuff. But yeah. I don't know. With Iron Man, it was kind of they just end up being overshadowed. Yeah, and it's yeah. an ancillary. Ex- yeah. Exactly, and that's yeah. kind of the problem. And another problem I had, if you guys don't mind me just jumping. No, please. Um, Gwyneth Paltrow. <laughs> um, Tiny, when we first saw this movie, I don't remember if, if you remember, I don't know if you remember this, but you mentioned that she plays kind of just a damsel. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's really what she is. And it's such a, it's such a downer to me because it's not a very strong female character. Um, like there's a famous, the famous, uh, retort that Joss Whedon said, uh, I think it was for press for maybe the Avengers or something where he's like, where someone was like, why do you keep writing strong female characters? And he's like, because you keep asking me that question. Um, (laughs) and Mm -hmm. Iron Man is no different because you don't really get like, she's, she's just his love interest slash, uh, soundboard for the audience to, for his self-destructive tendencies or his destructive persona. And it's, it's just, and by the end of it, it's like, she's, she's involved with the plot as a damsel and it's, it's just, it's like this is 2008. We don't really need the princess complex, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, they got they got uh, some good. They corrected it uh, to an extent later in the franchise, right? I, I would, I, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, anything else about Iron Man? Should we move on? Do you guys have any final thoughts on the? Oh, let's talk about the Stinger. Um, yeah, sure. 
So Sam L. Jackson's cool. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's that, that whole sequence, that, that little brief scene where it, it's just, it's really, really, I don't know. It's, it's really, really badass. I mean, it's just, it sets up, uh, sets up the continuity for the rest of the movies and it's, it wet my, it whetted my appetite. Um, true. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it was awesome. It was awesome. I remember thinking it was amazing. They don't all live up. Oh, no. no, no. We all, we all are like waiting for that next unbelievable moment. Mm -hmm. Right. And they're not all that unbelievable. Yeah. 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 So the second movie of the, of phase one is, came out, came out a couple months after Iron Man. It's The Incredible Hulk with Edward Norton. Uh, and this is, Let's see. First of all, what do you guys think of The Incredible Hulk? I liked it a lot the first time. Uh, I haven't liked it at all on subsequent viewings. <laughs> really? Yeah, really hard to watch. Yeah, I liked it a lot the first time as well, and it, it did downgrade substantially in, in further viewings, but I still mm-hmm. think it's a solid movie. I'll tell you what I did like. They, they handled the CGI so well particularly at the end, particularly the the climactic fight scenes, that it's not too fast that there are uh, jarring cuts. You know, it's not too hard to follow. I I don't like movies that are that are sometimes too hard to follow because of the editing, um, which which kind of makes up for just they didn't get what shot they wanted or whatever. Um, So it's really it's really successful in showing you everything you want to see, really showing you um, the uh hulk and who's he fight abomination abomination yeah yeah Yeah, i agree and uh it's well well, i'll let's circle back to the climax later but sure sorry to jump in no 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 you're fine um something that struck me when i was rewatching this movie was that it's it solves the origin story problem uh pretty well it it just kind of contains everything it does like kind of spider-man 2 kind of thing where the origin is played out over the credits over the opening credits and the movie is about uh bruce banner on the run while trying to find a cure while trying to reconnect or or um reconnect and and save his 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 love interest Mm -hmm. while also you know, in this, it's interesting because this movie wasn't a response to Iron Man because they came out so close together and they were in production at the same time. But in many ways, it, it kind of improves upon some of the issues I had with Iron Man in that it's, like I said, the origin story is, is dispelled really quickly, really briefly. It doesn't become about the origin. It becomes about him him trying to find his cure and everything. Mm-hmm. And with And like you kind of said, we can't really give – we can't really give them credit on intentionally improving upon Iron Man, what they improved on was Ang Lee's Hulk. Oh yeah, yeah. I've still never seen it, but I've heard just I've heard some horror stories. Yeah, and but that's one of the things I really liked about the opening credits was that it establishes the origin while also establishing that this isn't canon with with Ang Lee's movie. Right, and its villains are established a lot better because you get you get. And without having to deal with the origin of how Bruce Banner got became the Hulk, you get time to fill out um, Tim Roth's character and William Hurt's character as uh, General Ross, mm-hmm. and you kind of get you get they're both on the same side, but they're all they're both equal. They're both independent. Their goals are independent from one another, and their their growth is really well done in comparison to. Uh, 
uh, Jeff Bridges and Iron Man. Yeah, um, so I really appreciate that movie for that. This movie for that. Uh, what do you guys think? You know, I I really have I haven't seen the movie in a while, but just mm-hmm. going through it in my head right now, it just reminds me how solid, well, and how just how fluid the story structure is. Because mm-hmm. like I said, they didn't bother. Because like you said, they didn't bother with the origin because they didn't need to. Everyone knows who the Hulk is, and and the 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 Ang Lee movie was not very good but it was really popular like a, a lot of people went to see it cuz it mm-hmm. looked really good mm-hmm. um and so people know who he is they didn't need to mess with that and there are the two kind of villains but like you said they have these separate goals and Tim Roth's character ends up he 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 kind of serves at the pleasure of General Ross but he uh he does so through his own greed right. and he he just wants to be he just he's power hungry no. and it's it's interesting to see how that influences William Hurt's character and how, you know, I think he starts to kind of see the error of his ways towards the end right. that, you know, the, the actual villain, the person who's the bigger problem is abomination right. that he's, you know, he's the dark side of this science as opposed to Bruce Banner. Right. Um, and that, that's just kind of a fun flip. You don't see that a lot. Mm. Um, and this kind of feels like the first entry for the character. It kind of feels like the first entry of hulk but we don't really have the origin story problem um right it's it's a tight movie it needed script work because there's next to no uh comedic relief in this movie uh, well there, yeah. there, there's some very it, very little there's like two or three but they're they're pretty tame and just not that great uh it could have used some some polishing definitely absolutely Mike. and i i wonder how much um edward norton is kicking himself now <laughs> Because he was yeah. such he was such a pain in the ass about all this, they just didn't even <laughs> right. do a second one. And he could have been part of the Avengers, and mm-hmm. he could have had two more Hulk movies, and then two more Avengers movies. I mean, he could have just he could have is been, he is he kicking himself? I doubt he is, but he should yeah. be. You know, first he, of all, well, he didn't do he didn't do anything good with his time. Mm-hmm. I mean, right. after the Hulk, what did, what did he do up until Birdman last year that was really good? Yeah, I guess. Yeah, so I think maybe not much. Yeah. What do you guys think? Or, or Mike, do you want to go ahead and give your? No, that uh, we don't have to. I'll just kind of go along with you guys. I would just, I would ask, what do you guys think of? What do we think of Liv Tyler? She's okay. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It's 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 more the character, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Than her, I think she's fine. I don't. I don't really think I like her that much as an actress. She kind of plays. She's she's a little just bland in a lot of things i've i've seen her in i i i haven't really been blown away by her performance and much of anything really yeah um that's true but i think i'm i th- i have kind of have a problem with edward norton um i really like him as an actor he's a very strong actor he's a very talented actor but he just did not do do it for me in the Incredible Hulk when I rewatched it this time, and part of that is, is this in light of how amazing Mark Ruffalo is. Partly, um, yeah, but partly, and I think, and it's not because it's not because I'm watching the Incredible Hulk and thinking like, oh, I really want to see Mark Ruffalo, so it's continuity, and or or I really want Mark Ruffalo's energy. It's that Edward Norton just doesn't seem to really care that much about the character about the role it's like he's just kind of it's almost like he feels it's all and i don't want to put i don't want to put like uh thoughts in into his performance or anything like his his motivations into his performance or anything like that but it kind of felt like he was just like 
all right, this is the Incredible Hulk. This isn't this isn't Fight Club or this isn't uh, a big art movie for me. So I'm gonna go ahead and just be this kind of mild mannered guy who's trying to keep his his heart rate down and then all that. He doesn't really give a lot of energy here. It's it's and the character is is a tough character to really grasp because I mean it's there's a lot of the scenes where he's um in an intense situation and trying to control his control his temper and everything it's kind of he's try like it's like the, he has a duality to what he's supposed to be doing like his attention's supposed to be on his heart rate but he's also in a in an intense and adrenaline scenario where like guys are about to beat the shit out of him or he's being chased by the the military and all that so it has to be like a divided attention kind of thing, but it's just like he just doesn't really give that much energy into that performance. And, mm-hmm. and what I think we've learned is that that's hard to sustain. I yeah. think the success of Mark Ruffalo is a he's good. Oh yeah, uh, I think he might be better than Edward Norton. I but agree. B Hulk works best in small doses, right? Because sure. that duality thing is only gripping for so long until you need another outside influence. You need some other source of tension uh, because you can't, you can't, uh, yourself cannot be the villain for 90 minutes. Right. Although I guess fight club. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's a little but you know what I mean? Sure. They, they, in a superhero movie, we need something else. Right. Yeah. And in, I don't know. I, I, I agree, but, he also just also the love interest story just with with him and Liv Tyler Tyler there I, there wasn't a lot of chemistry there for me. Mm-hmm. It was kind of I don't know. She's just a placeholder, really. Yeah, the, this whole movie was kind of like to me. It just felt like they could have done more, but they didn't, or they intentionally didn't didn't really go as far as they could have with the characterization and the drama of the movie. They just wanted to make a kick-ass Hulk movie and, and they did like the action sequences are astonishing, mm-hmm. but man, it just, it just fell really flat for me. Okay. Yeah. But luckily Iron Man two, <laughs> um, you know, it, are we ready to move on to Iron Man two, by the way? Sure. Okay. Yeah. So Iron Man 2 came out two years after Iron Man and Incredible Hulk. And how'd you guys, how were you guys feeling about Iron Man 2 going into it? What were your expectations for it? Um, oh man, that's a good question. <laughs> Probably pretty high. What else came out in 2010? I mean, I think that was the, the feature summer movie, was it not? Probably. Off the top of my head, I can't really think of anything. Yeah, I can't remember either. Yeah. Yeah, I know my expectations were high because the first one was so good. Mm -hmm. And it was, I I feel like The Incredible Hulk was sort of an afterthought given it was an afterthought in the context of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And so I felt like Iron Man 2 was like the next, the next entry. It is. Yes, I see. I know exactly what you're saying. It's the next step in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Right. Oh, yeah. And I think in that context, they did a, a pretty decent job in this movie because we get uh, Black Widow coming in, and she's pretty mysterious throughout the movie. And then in the third act, she goes full Black Widow and Natasha Romanov and everything. Uh, and we have the wider introduction, I guess, of um, um, Samuel L. Jackson's character. Mm-hmm. Um, that was all pretty exciting, but unfortunately, I think 
the rest of the movie just suffered for it. I think a lot of the movie was just in service to being the next step in the Marvel Cinematic Universe as opposed to being a quality entry of the saga of Tony Stark, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, that's how I kind of feel about it. And it was, it was more just like, we have so much money. Let's just do everything. <laughs> um, yeah. and so that's, that's just kind of how it felt. It felt a little Michael Bay-ish in that respect. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Explosions by Michael Bay. <laughs> Mike, what'd you think of it? Uh, same Z's really for, for most of what he said. Um, again, I'm going to go, I'm going to say the first time I saw it, I, I, I wasn't disappointed. Mm-hmm. Um, it, but just on, like just the second viewing, I I I was kind of disappointed. Um, I think Mickey Rourke is, I don't know. Do I want to say underused because I think he's also a little overrated. Uh, you know, he kind of bounced back with the wrestler, um, which I think was more about the script and not so much his character or his performance. And so I think that he is not to be celebrated. He has a pretty cool couple of action sequences. Uh, I really love the racetrack scene and I love Tony's suit in that scene. Um, I also like the introduction of war machine and just when they use their, their little ultimate laser or or Tony uses his ultimate laser. That's a pretty cool scene. Mm -hmm. So there are cool little comic book vignette moments. Um, but as a whole, it, it overall disappoints. Yeah, definitely. Um, I went into Iron Man 2 really, really, with really high hopes. I, I was, uh, everyone was back except for Terrence Howard, but, um, mm-hmm. John Favreau was back behind the camera. It was, it was gonna be, it's a follow up to one of my favorite, uh, comic book movies and, and it was, like Tiny said, it was expanding upon the already established Marvel Cinematic Universe. And it's worth noting that Iron Man 2 is the first movie in the universe to really, really dig its heels into the universe because like like we said, uh, the Incredible Hulk's inclusion in the Marvel Cinematic Universe was like an afterthought. I mean, Tony Stark pops up at the end of that movie, and it's and it just feels like okay, they need some kind of some kind of connection to this new thing that they're going to that we're going to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, and if you go back and watch that watch <laughs> that scene between him and General Ross talking about how he has a how he has a big problem and that. And like Ross is like, uh, you're, you are a fan of your suits and just like they're back and forth and stuff. It's never once paid off throughout the rest of the cinematic universe. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. Let's remember, um, just I, I, I urge people, especially my students to, to consider the behind the scenes stuff, the money stuff that fanboys kind of don't think about when they're dreaming, you know, like when we make all these grand proclamations what if this what if that right that when they added the stingers at the end of uh both iron man and incredible hulk it was like with crossed fingers and a what if absolutely like we'll see if iron man makes money of course it did and that's why we have the the marvel cinematic universe at all uh and it's why we have the avengers but we cannot assume that they had three phases planned out oh. in 2008 where i think a lot of young people uh, assume absolutely right. it was it was let's see what if how cool would this be if absolutely and just really briefly and while we're kind of on this topic of kind of not not really stumbling into a cinematic universe but crossing your fingers for a shared universe and stuff just really briefly i know this is off topic but um <laughs> if you're listening to this and you're really interested in the behind the scenes stuff about this like i 
I would suggest listening to the Slash Filmcast episode about Furious 7 and Fast 6 from like last year or a couple years ago because they really they they review those movies in the framework of them of Universal having this kind of accidental universe that they keep calling back to throughout it and it's really interesting to hear it discussed in that context. But anyway, so Iron Man 2 Oh my god, I would love to do the Furious movies. Oh my god. <laughs> I really think I would. Oh yes, yes, we need to. We need to. Match just got hard. I d- I, d- I did. <laughs> <laughs> I love the story. I love that they were on the brink of direct to DVD. Oh yeah. yeah. I love oh, yeah. that. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So we'll we'll talk about that in the in the near Another future. time. Yeah. MCU. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so Iron Man 2, so I went in with expectations that it would be really good and I was just left disappointed. I mean the let's we'll talk about the birthday scene in a moment, but yeah. I just felt like there was just too much going on in this movie. I mean, I really loved that they were, they brought back Samuel L. Jackson and they really brought out some more interesting, uh, uh, background on the, on shield and, and tied it to the plot more. But I mean, I really didn't feel like the, the stuff with, with, uh, Tony's little core thing, poisoning his blood. I didn't think that was necessary. Mm-hmm. And, Mike, you know, when, when, when I rewatched this movie recently, one thing that stu- stood out to me was that, yeah, Mickey Rourke in, in Whiplash is, uh, is criminally underused in this movie. And it's, it's to the detriment of the movie itself because the opening scene of the movie is, um, Ivan Venko, uh, yeah. working on his little, his power source and, and making his, his, electrified whip things but by the end of the movie i mean what do we see of whiplash we get the one scene with him on the racetrack and then he becomes contracted to justin hammer he becomes a contractor for sark's competing uh company and it becomes this this weird arms race i guess or something and then and then we don't see whiplash like it's like Whiplash is established as having a vendetta against Tony Stark's father for something that he did to his father. And that hook for a motivation for a villain is very strong. Like it could have been sustained throughout an entire movie and had Whiplash been an adversary for Tony Stark throughout the movie with, with that context of, of, of defending his father's memory and, and his father's honor and stuff like that. It could have created this really intense battle between the two with having that could have given Tony the cathartic, um, history or like the audience, the history, the audience give, wow. It could have given the audience the history of Tony's relationship with his father while also providing the character with a catharsis, for his relationship with his father. Instead, they threw in this, this blood toxicity level, like that's literally like it's, it's displayed on his blood toxicity, toxicity level, which I mean, I guess he's Tony Stark. He can have that, but it's just uh-huh. like, it's kind of a goofy little, like his blood is there. His blood is being poisoned and he's slowly, he's slowly going to die from it unless he can solve it. And then you have shield babysitting him until he can find the solution. It's just, it's messy without needing to be messy. Mm-hmm. Um, very true that's a good way to put it yeah do you think that favreau was tired of making these movies halfway through this one i know i think they I, th- I think what it is to, to kind of encapsulate what matt said and and to address that i think there was just too much pressure on this movie mm-hmm. and they tried to put too much into it you know they had to establish the first step or the next step of this 
cinematic universe. You had to develop the character of Tony Stark. You had to set up. I mean, there there were two villains. Um, there was a love story. You had to reestablish chemistry between two new actors. Where you know, Rhodey was played by Don Cheadle in this one, right. um, which was unfortunate, but it's kind of an aspect of business you had to deal with yeah. uh-huh. and stuff like this. Um, there was just way too much going on, and I th- I think with I kind of wish another. Marvel movie had come out in between them because mm-hmm. uh, there was a year skipped where there was nothing or maybe just another one in 2010 like maybe the Thor movie could have gotten bumped up and they could have taken on some of the weight of of what was put on the shoulders of this movie um, mm-hmm. I, I don't I don't I don't blame any one person for it um, but I think it could have been substantially better if it were scaled back a lot that's true that's true and uh, I think part of what John Favreau's problems with directing it i guess um a perceived problem my perceived what i perceive as his problems with directing it um if you know and this is purely conjecture but if you look at the movie chef and how a big part of that is the uh the demand of of his boss to to make make his food the way that he wants that he wants it to be made if you uh-huh. use that as kind of a maybe an allegory for marvel Maybe he, maybe he wanted to, maybe Iron Man 2 wasn't the movie he wanted to make. Maybe he wanted to make a more character focused Tony Stark movie, but Marvel wanted to throw in the cinematic universe and S.H.I.E.L.D. and, and, and Black Widow and, right. uh, Nick Fury. But I, cause that's kind of how it feels to me because. Well, that's absolutely what Chef is about. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I think maybe, <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, Cowboys and Aliens as well. Yeah. Might be part of that. Oh, yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it feels like they forced way too much responsibility onto uh, John Favreau for this. Yeah. That's what it feels like. But the birthday scene was unforgivable. I mean, I get it that yeah. he... I get it that the character is is having a, an ex- existential crisis and he's he's worried that he's going to die and it's, his, it's what he believes is going to be his last birthday party, but... Uh, like this is one thing that I I put in my review that I'll post eventually. Um, the problem that I have most with the birthday party scene, which if you're listening and you're not familiar, it's the scene where Tony celebrates his birthday in his mansion with a bunch of people with a big party, but he's in, he's drunk in the Iron Man suit, and then he has a big blowout with with Rhodey, and that's the introduction to War Machine and blah blah blah. But I think the problem, like the deep-rooted problem I have is that it seems like it almost just breaks some unwritten rule because you get with Tony Stark in both Iron Man and Iron Man 2 you get this reckless uh, narcissistic person who is also carrying the sense of duty that is personified in the Iron Man suit and he he's he's discovering his nobility um, through through Iron Man but when you, in that scene you have Tony Stark being Tony Stark in the Iron Man suit and there's some kind of like in my mind there's just this mental like clashing of like you can't have Tony Stark be Tony Stark in Iron Man cuz Iron Man is Iron Man and he's the personification of Tony Stark's noble side and it's it's this mesh of 
of stuff that just feels wrong, and it's it just really yeah, but that, throws off the movie for me. I mean, if you go with that, that's thrown away completely by the third one. Oh yeah, that's true. So I think that's huh. I I don't think that's accidental. I you know yeah, and I also think there's um, you know, the idea that the suit is what keeps him alive. Uh, I, I think for maybe this is the start or maybe I'm giving it more credit, but I think it's the start of establishing that Tony Stark is uh, is Iron Man. He, uh, you know, and he's nothing without Iron Man where in the third one, of course, he realizes he is independent of Iron Man. But I, right. I, I don't again, I don't think that's an accident. I think it's intentional that they are one and the same. OK, yeah, I just didn't like that. He was, you know, drunk in the suit. I thought it just yeah. kind of just felt off. Well, but he's a drunkard. In the yeah, comics, he's a drunk. Yeah, he's sure. a more anti-hero, anti-heroic in the comics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was just all, and it was all just a throw. It was such a throwaway scene. Yeah, it just didn't lead to anything. I don't think. Oh yeah. yeah. Um, and and to go back to the climax of it and everything, and and the problems with the villain that I had was that you get this climactic showdown between Whiplash and the drones and and Iron Man and War Machine, and the action in that scene just felt so flat to me because they completely abandoned Whiplash as a as a villain going after Tony because of his family history and all that. Uh he just becomes this villain who just, you know, worked with Hammer and it's just it's just there's no there's stakes, but they're action movie stakes and not personal stakes. There's not an emotional stake in this fight. Hmm. And it and it just really the action's cool, but Man, it it didn't floor me the way that um, Iron Man battling Ironmonger at the end of Iron Man felt because you knew the characters, you knew their motivations, you knew what it meant for them to be fighting through the city and all that. Um, you didn't really get that in Iron Man 2. Fair enough, yeah. yeah. So, should we move on? Yes. Do it. Okay, so Thor. Yeah, this one's different. <laughs> um, it's... I. This will be tough for me because I, with me, the less said about Thor, the better. <laughs> I, I think it's the low point in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It's definitely different. It's it's plays with the Norse Norse mythology, and it's it's a different context of a superhero movie. I guess it's a different it's a different palette, um, a different aesthetic, and it's got. <sighs> It's integral to the to phase one because it introduces Loki, it introduces Thor, obviously. But it's something about it just didn't really resonate with me. It didn't really play well with me and and I can't really put my finger on it. Um, I agree, and I appreciate that it's something different. I think they needed oh, something yeah. different. I think um, you know, normal guy also has a super powered side is is tough you know they've they've already had three movies and they know they're going that way with captain america next uh and so thor came out and they had to do something different of course it's north norse mythology so let's do a fantasy movie the the big problem i have with it is that it tries to be so many movies in one it tries to be a superhero movie it tries to be uh, a man out of time a man out of place movie um, which is the the most poorly ex- executed of the types of movies in Thor. Um, specifically, I'm referring to how he comes down to Earth uh, and he meets Natalie Portman's character and he's doing things like, this is very good coffee, I'll have another, and <laughs> smashes it down on the ground. 
which is funny. Mm-hmm. But then Natalie Portman says, hey, you can't do that. And boom, immediately he's acclimated to the, the customs and traditions <laughs> of Earth. Like he's an <laughs> Earthling in, in an instant. Right. That, that's, that's true. No longer a source of tension. Right. And yeah, it's the, the, the origin or like the first entry in any kind of superhero type movie or story like this, you need to have the uh, the main character go through some change and we get that in this movie but it's it just doesn't seem very satisfying um because in the beginning thor is incredibly arrogant and he's super entitled and he's kind of a dick basically um <laughs> and then he really he really finds his humility and and that's it's it wasn't done real well and it could have had a lot more depth to it um, I think it was a great idea, but they just, the execution was poor on it. I think that's what makes this so unsatisfying to me. Um, mm-hmm. cause I think, I think the simplicity of it was a good choice. Uh, after the ridiculous complexity of Iron Man 2, uh, this one was kind of reflect, refreshingly simple, but they should have, they should have tried harder with the character development as opposed mm-hmm. to, you know, the last movie. Yeah. And rewatching it, I, like this was of of the phase one movies that I've rewatched, which is all the phase one movies, but rewatching this one, it was probably the most passive experience I had rewatching it. I, I was kind of just running out the clock waiting, waiting for it to end. And I, like, I, I do appreciate them going a different direction, telling a different story, telling a different type of story and a different type of atmosphere. But I, I can't help but draw comparisons. And we'll talk about this next week, but draw comparisons to guardians of the galaxy which is a which is a different story and a different it's a it's a somewhat of a of a departure from the marvel cinematic universe it's it establishes this whole new kind of backstory and this group of characters and everything much like thor does in creating a norse superhero story a norse mythology superhero story that is not it, it establishes the world of asgard and and all of these different worlds and 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 like the bifrost and all that stuff but it just feels kind of sloppy and like i've been i've been talking about the opening scenes of of these movies uh quite a bit throughout this episode but the opening scene of thor is uh, is not doesn't really play well with uh isn't as good as like iron man's opening and the incredible hulk because it opens with him just crashing down to earth and them almost running him over and meeting him. And then there's this extended backstory flashback where you get probably about half an hour's worth of story or, or like a, an entire, like the movie is established. The character dynamics are, are established in the, in a half an hour. And then you're right back into this whole like, okay, he's been banished and this is what the movie's about. They waste a lot of time with establishing the hierarchy of the kingdom and, and of, of Asgard's rules and, and, and stuff like that. And it's just kind of, it's a, it's a, just a slog through it. And yeah. it's, it's unfortunate because I feel like in a different, I feel like in a different context, the, this Thor could have been a lot more palatable for for me. Um, and apparently, Marvel really likes it because they're they've got Thor, Thor: The Dark World, and then they're gonna have uh, Thor: Ragnarok in like 2017. But it's just Can I just say I don't get the Thor thing. I don't get it. I I never have, and so it that was kind of a detriment going into this movie for me was. I just don't get it. I don't get that. So like 
Thor and all of these gods existed already, why did we stop believing in them? Hmm. I don't understand. I don't understand. There, there are heavier implications to the existence of these gods than are given credit to. Are they just aliens? Are they not actually the gods we're thinking of? Did they, did they come back a long time ago and people wrote about them as gods, but then they consider themselves gods? I don't you know. know. I don't like, and, and I don't mean to jump the gun on this, but know, you know, the line in Captain America when, when, uh, or yeah. in, uh, Avengers where Captain America says, there's only one God I know of and he doesn't dress like that. It's like, well, why? If this God really <laughs> exists, Thor really exists, then that's the one, right? Right. That's true. And I, it all depends on how it's marketed or how it's presented to the population in, in this, in this universe. I mean, they don't really go into, you know, how people deal with like, the fact that a Norse, uh, piece of, like Norse mythology is real world stuff or alternative dimensions. Everything stuff like that. you know is wrong now. Yeah. But the problem is it's not like like I could I could do a mental like I could fix the plot or I could fix this problem in my head mentally by saying like, okay, well maybe Shield orchestrated things so it's like, okay, yeah, he's an alien. They they've established that aliens are coming down to Earth mm-hmm. and destroying things. Like they can they can say like, okay, well maybe it's aliens and stuff like that. But I mean, you know, in Thor to, Thor of the Dark World, people are like, oh, it's Thor. And that's like, okay, so they know that it's Thor. They know that Thor is Thor. And Right. I don't know. I don't know. I, don't, I, I can't get into Thor because of that. Yeah. That, and I mean, that doesn't bother me because I think it's clear they're just aliens. And, mm-hmm. and when they came to Earth however many years ago, the, the Norse myth- mythology, the Norsemen thought of them as gods. And Okay. That's fair. In, in, oh yeah. Incorrectly interpreted their power as godlike as opposed to just another another being of our physical universe that we exist in. You know, right. I actually think that they they say that. He kind of does. I mean, in, in Avengers, you know, when they're having the whole spat about, you know, why are you building weapons of mass destruction? Mm. Um, he kind of points at he points at Thor and says, "Because of him, we found out that we're not alone." That's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is more of an alien type statement. Yeah, it is. That's, That's a good true. point. So. Well put. Yeah. You just you just solved it. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. You and- solved religion. <laughs> <laughs> Listen to the secular perspective. <laughs> yes, please do. <laughs> no, but. Uh, you know, and I never had those hangups, really. I mean, they were kind of in the back of my mind, but I never, like, let them affect my judgment of the movies. I just thought that the movie Thor itself was just weak. Uh, I mean, even down to, like, the climactic battle, it's just... Like, when I was rewatching it, and this is going to sound kind of snarky and all that, but when I was watching it, there, there's the battle with Thor and his, his buddies um, in, like, this this little desert town with the big monster that or, or, or machine or whatever that looks that, that uh uh brian singer got a lot of lot of uh crap for making uh the sentinels and days of yeah. future past look like it but right but anyway so they have this big battle and that and it's where he gets the hammer back and he's you know it's it's his his big triumph triumphant thing and then after that's resolved and everything he goes back to asgard and then has a completely other climactic battle with his brother and it's kind of like okay i just kind of really want this movie to be over with now i i don't know and i think i connected more to the i guess this could be a bright side to the movie or this could be a, a 
positive note about it, but I connected more to its connectivity to S.H.I.E.L.D. and and the Marvel Cinematic Universe more than I did with the origin story of Thor and the backstory of Thor and Loki and and Odin and all that. There is the scene where Thor is at the compound trying to get Mm -hmm. his hammer, Mjolnir, and... uh, and I remember there is so, like there are guards around and they're starting to drop. And I remember mm-hmm. saying, oh, my God, if this is Hawkeye, I'll <laughs> myself. <laughs> I turned to my friend Jake when we, when we saw that. Mm-hmm. Um, fortunately, I didn't have to <laughs> myself, <laughs> um, but I should have to hold up my end of the bargain because it was it was Hawkeye. And I just thought that was awesome. It was I- the fur. It was. It was a pleasant Easter egg that hadn't been spoiled for me yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was I was floored by that, knowing that he is. Uh, I didn't know. I don't know much about the source material, but I just know that he's he's an an important figure in the Avengers and all that stuff. And I just when I saw him pop up, I was like, that's 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 great fan service that they're that they're paying in the in the scene. Yeah. Um. One note about this, like we talk about the eclecticity. Is that a word? <laughs> Eclecticity, eclectiveness. Of the <laughs> choice of directors for each one, uh, Kenneth Branagh. Kenneth Branagh. Kenneth Branagh. Branagh. He yeah. uh, he directed <laughs> Thor, and you know i I think he did a he, I think he did an alright job. Like the Asgard scenes are 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 beautiful, but there's one thing that he did that was just way way overused. It was the slanted angle framed kind of thing to kind of make it look like uh like panels. facing up at a character yeah or or sideways even like not completely 90 degree sideways or anything but just kind of like slightly like a 40 40 degree angle in the frame or or it's just like it's a skewed angle for a lot of scenes like it was very prominent in the scene where colson is interrogating um Thor in in the compound and and Loki a, uh, appears and all that. It's like every shot is like from a different angle and it's just like it's kind of like it's trying to create this this comic book esque panel viewpoint for mm-hmm. the audience. But it just it was like I would I would upon rewatching it and knowing to look for it and everything and know like knowing that that's what they were going for. I would go so far as to compare it to J.J. Abrams' uh, lens, fl- uh, his lens flares in Star Trek. Uh, <laughs> gotcha. It was like that kind of in your face. Have you have you seen any of Kenneth Branagh's other movies? It's it's mostly like Shakespeare stuff that nobody ever saw. But uh, there's also True. Frankenstein. Did you see Frankenstein? Uh, Mary Shelley's Frankenstein with uh, with De Niro. I never did. I saw. Part it's of all it. right. Yeah. Very stylized. Very stylized. Okay. Hmm. Huh. Hmm. I mean, don't bother. I'm not recommending, but uh, <laughs> right. I can kind of see, like, I see what you're talking about. I don't remember yeah. that particular trick mm-hmm. um, in Frankenstein, but I, I remember it being incredibly stylized and thinking this is this is a little strange for a Frankenstein. Right. I remember thinking, this looks like a Marvel movie. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Um. So yeah, so I mean, maybe Thor Ragnarok will be good. Who knows? He's due. Yeah, for, he's uh, due for a good movie. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, should we close the book on Thor and move on to Captain America: The First Pl- Avenger? Close it. Do All it. right. So let me start yes. with the title of this movie. <laughs> <laughs> I am really bothered with the subtitle: The First Avenger on on 
two levels. First of all, in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, he approaches Iron Man first. And if we're not considering Nick Fury the first Avenger, then Iron Man is the first Avenger. Hmm. Okay. Okay. According to the comic books, Captain America was not even one of the first few Avengers. There is Iron Man, Thor, Hulk, the Wasp, and Hank Pym. And that was it. And then they got Captain America later and eventually made him an honorary founder. But he is not, by any means, the first Avenger. And it is a blatant misnomer and a cash grab title, if you ask me. Totally. My God. <laughs> no, well, that never... Well, just real briefly, I... That never bothered me because I just saw it as, you know, chronologically, he was alive before everyone else. <laughs> so he's like yeah. the I get, first I, That's what they're hinting on, right? Yeah, that's, that's, I never had a problem with that. But, and he was yeah. the first iteration of the government establishing a uh, system for a mm-hmm. superhero. He was and the so, first super soldier right. serum thing. So that, I think in the context of this movie franchise... It's still kind of silly, but I see where they got that. Yeah. yeah. Ultimately, I agree with you though, because it doesn't. He's not. <laughs> yeah. As a as a quick side note, before we jump into Captain America, Mike, what do you think about the rumors of uh, Spider Man's movie title being Spider Man: The New Avenger? Oh, fake! I don't believe it. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, I don't believe it. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I, I don't know. Is that fair? Can I do that? No, 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 no. Go right ahead. Because I, because it's. I think that's a stupid title, and if they're serious about it, they'll get wise quickly. Yeah, yeah. I don't like that. It's. Uh, I don't. I just don't like that. It's you know rumors. The, I don't like the rumor mill. So. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So yeah, Captain America: The First Avenger. Um. What do you guys think about it? I think that. Chris Evans is so beefed in this movie that although the skinny Chris Evans, the skinny Steve Rogers is the CGI version, he is mm-hmm. so beefy when they when he comes out of the serum container that that his body looks like CGI. Yeah. His <laughs> his actual real body is so amazing. <laughs> That that looks like the CGI version. I, like, I can't look away. I just want to pause that scene and be like, holy <laughs> <laughs> Just everything. You know, like, like actors get huge in movies and they'll, like, their, their, their arms will be big. Or they'll get a really big chest. Or, like, this character will have crazy abs. Like, we flipped out about what, uh, what uh, What's-His-Face looked like in Guardians of the Galaxy and he was ripped by all mm-hmm. means, but Captain America, like it looked like they gave Chris Evans a super soldier serum. It's ridiculous. <laughs> He's flaw. His body is flawless. It's flawless. Just huge and shaped perfectly like a stone sculpture. Yes. It's it's insane. I completely agree. And it's it's yeah. I I mean yeah. It's and. F- him while we're at it. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> also, do you remember not another teen movie? Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's it's unbelievable. It's I mean, good for him for, you know, taking on that that role and and working toward it so so hard, but yeah. My god, he's ridiculous. Yes. Um but the movie 
movie itself. So moving on to the. Yeah. <laughs> I'm kidding. Um, it's worth mentioning something that point that stuck out to me when when rewatching it was, and I had a, I had an interesting interesting piece of uh, my naivete kind of come to light after this because I wasn't aware that the director Joe Johnston that he came from ILM and worked on on. Uh, Star Wars and and the the sequels and stuff. So I didn't know any of that. I didn't know that Joe Johnston was had anything to do with ILM or Star Wars or anything like that. And while watching Captain America, I thought, man, this feels like like they're paying just some really heavy homage to Star Wars. Like there's uh there's extended uh, chase scenes um, through like a forest area and and it feels so much like the uh you guys are gonna help have to help me with this the speeder chases through oh yeah. shut up Endor. <laughs> uh yes the speeders yeah. on Endor. yeah i i swear to god i was not being uh joking about that i just i wanted oh, to make Jesus. sure i got it right but uh and then like and then the scene <laughs> the moon of endor whatever that means the, the force moon of endor force but moon. So, so that like felt just so much like there, there were scenes that felt just so much like that visually and, and, and the way it was photographed and everything. And then there were scenes where Captain America is, is fighting his way through corridors that felt a lot like the beginning of, of Star Wars and, and stuff like that. And I just thought like, this is really cool. Like, obviously the director is real a big fan of Star Wars and that's, it's pretty cool. It's a little on the nose, but it's cool. And then I found out that, I mean, he, he was, he, like he was the he was according to trivia and I may be getting it wrong but he was the one that turned in the final um the final designs for Jabba the Hutt and Yoda uh mm. so he was mm. pretty steep into it like there's a story on, in his trivia page where he worked with Industrial Light Magic and he worked on the Star Wars movies and and he kind of became close with uh, George Lucas, and then he would work on the visual effects while George Lucas was editing, and he would see George Lucas editing, and then he kind of decided, like, oh, I, I, I would love to go. To, I, I want to start film, like, uh, directing and stuff like that. And there was, from what it sounded like, it was, there was a bit of a um, uh, mentor-mentee kind of relationship. So Joe Johnston, Johnston in like '84, decided to take a year off and go uh travel with money he'd saved up and george lucas and this is all from imdb trivia so i don't know how much truth there is to it but uh george lucas was like no you need to enroll in my alma mater film school and all that i'll pay for your tuition and give you like you know i'll get you in to this film school or give you a leg up to getting into it and Joe Johnson was like, well, I can't really pass that up. So that's how he got his start in the film industry, I guess, as a director and everything. Huh. Um, so I thought that was interesting. And, and it really, it really comes through in Captain America, the first Avenger. And I, I enjoy, I enjoy Captain America more than Thor, probably, but. Uh, yeah. Only by a little, but yeah, yeah I agree. Yeah. But it, it's, I don't know. I, I appreciate them much like I appreciate. To an extent, Thor going to a different a different area or a different world and building build like kind of striking out striking out in a different universe even if you would call it that. I appreciate Captain America for diving into kind of the lore, the history, 
and uh, going back and into a different era. Mm-hmm. But something about it just kind of falls flat for me. I, I don't know. It's and, it, and it's a pivotal movie in the in the franchise. I mean, you get the introduction to the Tesseract and the introduction of uh, Zolar, Zolar, Zolar. Uh, Amenzola, Zola, yeah, Armenzola, yeah. Well, he comes back in the Winter Soldier, but yeah, uh, I thought it was interesting that his uh, his first appearance in the movie, knowing knowing how his character reappears and how his character is, uh, especially Arnim, Arnim, Arnim okay. Zola, uh, and how his character is is in the comics, like like what his character is in the comics, his first scene in Captain America, you see him through like a magnifying glass that looks like a screen. I thought that was pretty cool. Like that's the first you ever see him. Mm -hmm. I thought that was, that was kind of a cool little trickery. Yeah. Easter egg. But, but yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, time was that I would kind of go between Thor and Captain America and it would interchange which one I liked more, but I definitely got to give the edge to Captain America. Uh, -hmm. if only for, Chris Evans chiseled body, <laughs> bastard. Uh, this yeah. this is the low point of the Marvel Cinematic Universe for me. Really? Yeah, I, I dislike it less than Thor. I dislike it more than Thor. Wow. Um, yeah, I just it just felt too much like a cartoon to me, uh, especially Red Skull, the the villain. He was just so uninteresting and just uninspired, and and looked like someone drew him with a crayon. <laughs> um, I really didn't care for him at all. Um, I, I, I'll, I'll give it credit for the character stuff. I liked, uh, I liked how, um, gosh, Steve Rogers. <laughs> I liked the evolution <laughs> of Steve Rogers. You know, they, they packed a lot into that character for this first movie. It was pretty good in, in that respect. Um, but just, it, it, they threw it back to World War II, uh, you know, the, the, the war era. Um, but it just didn't feel like it to me because I think that it just had this weird polished filter on everything and it didn't feel like a, a, a gritty interpretation of World War II to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there was all this ridiculous technology that was just, I couldn't get behind all like the laser <laughs> cannons that all the, um, Red Skulls guys used and the ridiculous car that was like 70 feet long that Red Skull, <laughs> the inexplicably huge car. I, I just, it was just so dumb. I just, everything was so over the top and ridiculous that I just couldn't get behind it. He was overcompensating. Yeah, he was. <laughs> of course. Yeah. yeah. And the, but, I, the but I don't know. It's too. hard for me to choose which one I dislike more. They're, it's, they're pretty close. Yeah. 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 Um, having seen them and having them fresh in my mind, Again, I mean, I don't hate them. I don't think that they, in the context of this massive Marvel Cinematic Universe, they're passable to the point of even being average. But on their own, as standalone movies, they don't really function nearly as well as other entries in the in the franchise, uh-huh. and that's that's a problem. So word, yeah, agreed. But I mean. <laughs> They improved upon it for the sequel, so we'll talk about that next week. Yeah. Oh my God. Yes. Yeah. So. I'll I'll say it now. I I don't care. Spoiler alert! It is my favorite <laughs> by far, by far, my right. favorite of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. In fact, uh, just some of the just some of the whispers and reviews of Avengers. I don't think that's going to change. I think really? I think Winter Soldier is still going to be my favorite. Nice. Yeah. That's nice. it's tough shoes to fill. Yep. 
Um, so yeah, so finally we're running super long, by the way. Yeah. But finally we're at the Avengers 2012 massive, massive hype surrounding this movie. Mm-hmm. And I mean, just years of uh, four years. And it, you know, it's funny because the first movie came out in tw- 2008, Iron Man. Mm-hmm. And then 2012, it doesn't feel like it was four years for me. Um, yeah, four years. <laughs> like a lot, like it's, it felt it feels... a lot longer. It did, okay. yeah. Like the wait for it. Cause, and I think part of that was like, I was, like you said, Mike, I, I was nervous. Yeah. And I didn't know how they would pull it off. I wanted them to pull it off. And my God, did they pull it off? What a fun they absolutely movie. Do. Um, they brought in Joss Whedon to, to write the script and, and to direct it. And that was just a great choice in terms of even just, just getting fans to, you know, quell their fears because he's you know a respective a respected uh kind of nerd centric persona i guess in in the industry mm-hmm. and it was presented in a way that you knew that he would be very delicate with it or it felt like he would be delicate with it because he knows he knows this world or he knows the he knows the world of the fans he knows about like hardcore fans and how committed they are. So you went in with the expectation that he would handle this with respect to the fan base. And I think that's really what, what this movie needed more than anything was that it would be handled with respect. And I think that he did very well in that regard. Let me say that while he understands fans, right? The idea of fans and fandom, I don't think he necessarily understands Marvel all the way. And one of my mm-hmm. complaints, and there aren't many, I do love this movie, but let's, let's be critics here. Yeah. Um, it, the other movies do such a better job at giving us Easter eggs, little, mm-hmm. little hints of this and that's uh, stuff that came before and stuff that came after. There is virtually none in the Avengers. Sure. That's true. And I know that that was one of like that you've you've mentioned that that's one of your I have issues said that with yeah it. and it it's I agree and as someone who's just not really is not plugged into the the comic comic book world that didn't bother me mm-hmm. but I can definitely see and respect how that would bother you um, even uh, uh, and I'm not gonna say Thor is better than the Avengers please but uh, you know when we see Hawkeye shooting arrows and Thor mm-hmm. really elevates elevates that movie for me. Being a massive team-up movie like this and obviously having a lot of – not a lot of spare screen time, you know, competing with with four different leading characters plus uh, supporting characters who are at times even more important or just as important uh, throughout it. Do you think that there was room for Easter eggs? I think there has to be. I think there has to be room for Easter eggs. I think this is that type of movie. Okay. Yeah, that's why it didn't bother me that there weren't Easter eggs in it because I think it, I feel like there before this we didn't really um we didn't know about at least I didn't really know about uh Guardians of the Galaxy yet and mm-hmm. and how how much they're expanding the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Right. And so I feel like everything that could have been most of the things that could have been referenced in an Easter egg were already in the movie. Like all the characters were together and mm-hmm. all that. I mean, they could uh, they could have referenced the um, uh, the Infinity Gauntlet and all that stuff 
which they did at the end. And yeah, they might have. They kind of did at the end. I also think Loki's staff is one of the is yeah. one of the gems. Mm. They could have Easter egged it a little better, as opposed to being right on the nose with it. Uh huh. But, but just you know, character names and but I like when we see in Iron Man two that they're making the uh, uh the shield Captain America's shield. Right. That's yeah. true. That's- I don't know. Let's not spend too much time on okay. this, really. Cause... Really briefly, but, but, and we can move on after this point, but do you think that this was really the movie for... I, I mean, okay, I understand, yes, this is the movie... You feel like this is the movie for Easter eggs and all that, but, I mean, I feel like this this is the team-up movie that the franchise has been building toward, and, I mean, I feel like it would be almost a... not Not necessarily a disservice, but it would be kind of clumsy and and maybe a little cocky to have like like okay in throughout like in iron man 2 you referenced uh or or, uh uh, tony picks up the colson picks up uh the shield Shield, and he's like oh that's exactly what i need that's that's exactly what i need and he just uses it to lift up something like that's great and then like like you said with with uh hawkeye and thor and also stuff like that but this the Avengers was like the the big movie for these like this is what these five movies were leading up to and I feel like if they were to say like okay well here's here's the Avengers kicking ass and and teaming up and all that stuff but uh, we think that you know Steve Rogers' buddy might be, be might be coming back later or uh, there's this guy Mandarin who's kind of making waves and stuff like that like do uh-huh. you mean easter eggs for comic book fans or do you mean like easter eggs for future installments i think that's well, i mean for thinking. comic book fans okay okay I so see. i mean like in captain america when they mention doctor strange and right. it's tough to say because of course we know that they're now making a doctor strange yeah. movie but just like you know that uh that uh, Crossbones is in Captain America: The Winter Soldier. That's there's no plans for a Crossbones movie, and Crossbones will not be. Uh, we know that. Uh, um, what's his name? Anyway, we know the villain in Civil War. Now mm-hmm. they just announced it today, and I can't remember his name. Uh, <clears throat> it's got the purple mask on, Baron. Something. I don't know. It's frustrating, and I'm sure whoever knows is listening to this saying it's Baron. Blah, you idiot! But whatever. <laughs> Uh, but just those little men, the, like okay, Crossbones yeah. was in the Winter Soldier. There's, there's none of that in Avengers, not a okay. one. I can, okay, yeah, I can. I mean, yeah, yeah I, can, I, I can, see, more, can yeah. see where you see where it come from. But let's talk about the movie itself. Um, first of all, let's talk about Mark Ruffalo. We we kind of hinted at him, but we our Incredible Hulk conversation got got dominated by Edward Norton. Uh, reasonably so there's something about ruffalo's performance like i mentioned that edward norton was kind of kind of boring and kind of just dry throughout it and it kind of it felt like he was playing like it kind of felt like he was playing this calm guy who is just trying to be a constant calm where Mark Ruffalo really brought much more to this role because he's he's calm and everything, but you know you can feel that he's a constant ticking ticking time bomb, and there's like a there's like a little quaver in his voice, I, I guess, that it he sustains throughout the movie that just makes me feel like really on edge whenever he's around, and yeah. also makes me respect his 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 performance a hell of a lot. 
it feels like everything that he's saying and everything that he's doing is taking a back seat or is put automatically to the back of his mind because what has to be at the forefront of his mind all the time is controlling his emotions and anger and all that. Absolutely. And you can, you can just feel it in his, in his, in his performance. Uh, and I think, you know, I'll, I'll give some credit to the writers cause I think yeah. that's part of it as well. But yeah, his performance just blows every other Hulk out of the, every other Bruce Banner out of the water, yeah. in my opinion. And he, he plays it almost, uh, almost like he's distracted, but he's in complete control cause he needs to be. Right. But Mike, what do you think? Agreed. <laughs> yeah, uh, Mark Ruffalo's awesome. Um, uh, yeah, I don't know. Not much else to say. Yeah, yeah I agree. I'd okay. love to. I would love to see them bring him, give him a movie, or or maybe a maybe a a short season of TV if it's done right. I, I don't know. I would love to see something Ruffalo Incredible Hulk in its own in its own thing yeah yeah um, totally but i don't know when when or if that'll ever happen right but the avengers to me you know this was kind of after the avengers or or throughout the D- avengers i was like loki is loki's a lot of fun i really like loki but i kind of want you know I'm, I'm i'll be glad when he's done and we'll talk uh-huh. more about that when we talk about thor the dark world next week but i don't know um there was a kind of as much fun as the Avengers was, which my God, the script is just so much fun. Yeah. It's and seeing these characters interact is just so much fun, but there's a lack of coherence to me in the, uh, the build up to the climax, like, like the, um, what are they called? The, the Chitari. Chitari. There's like, there's like one scene of dialogue with, with Loki and, and, Thanos's guys, I guess, or whoever they are, who they they say like, oh, the Shatari, Ch- they're they're going to be ready to fight for you, and they establish that he's he's been promised that he'll be given Earth once once the universe is given to Thanos or whatever. But th- that's it. That's really it. I mean, they don't really expand. origin story problem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, not necessarily origin story, just. Just motivation problems. I mean, yeah, it's just yeah. it's clunky. It's it's weird, and that's one of the reasons why I'm so excited for Age of Ultron. Because, I mean, Ultron seems like he's going to be a much much more uh, developed character than than Loki was as a, as the villain in in the Avengers. Yeah, um, I, I agree yeah? completely. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I thought Loki was fine. I thought he was yeah. he's just a classic power hungry psycho. Um, his again, you know, he kind of has. He's a jealous brother. Yeah, I mean, he lacks a little bit of vision because yeah, he's just relying on these other dudes to bring him his whole army. Well, and also, also Ultron creates uh, vision, right? Right. <laughs> he said he lacks vision. I don't oh, know. I, I got yeah. You. I, <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. I love Avengers. This is my favorite movie so far mm-hmm. of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Oh, um. Yeah. No offense to Captain America Winter Soldier, because that is a very by a hair close second. Um, oh, okay. You meant the entire franchise then. The entire oh, okay. the entire universe. It's my favorite of phase one, but I don't know about I think uh I think I'd give that she either Winter Soldier or Guardians. But we'll talk about that next week. Okay. 
because um, um, well, because Mike mentioned Captain America, right? Yeah. Right. So, okay. Yeah, the Avengers is my favorite, and, and like I okay. said, it's, it's very close first. Uh, Captain America is <laughs> right. very close second. Um, I just love it because it's it's like the best one of the best team building movies <laughs> I've ever seen. Um, and, and next week we'll talk about how how well Guardians did that as well. Mm-hmm. I would um, say how Guardians tops it. Oh, would you? Would would you now? Huh. Yeah, I will. Wait. Just wait. <laughs> just wait and see. Just Jeez. you wait. Just wait and see <laughs> what I'm going to do with Guardians. <laughs> I don't know. I just uh, I I liked um I I liked the Avengers. I like the Avengers a little better still. But uh sure. it's just awesome. I love I love the team building of it and and you know the there's there's just so much friction amongst them throughout <laughs> throughout the first two acts and then that third act the way they come together is just perfect it's it's i love it i don't think it could be any better absolutely i i totally agree with your sentiment but uh i i will say that the it had some problems for me um me too just, and uh, and the first time i saw it i don't mean oh, man i just feel like such a downer and i'm sorry no it's fine it's, it's a really great movie we've really established fun. that we all love the movie yeah, yeah. The first time I saw it, I saw it at a midnight showing and I was already tired. And of course I had to work the next day. <laughs> um, and I was so tired watching this movie that just when it was over, I, like you could hear the rumblings, you could hear the energy still in the crowd. And I was just like, man, I think Dark Knight Rides is going to be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I just, I felt like this was the energy of this movie was just like, Okay, spoiler for next week. I fell asleep when we were watching the Dark World and Thor: The Dark World, and and I mean the first Thor kind of kind of didn't do much for me in terms of pacing, and and I had I've talked about my problems with the the pacing of the uh, um uh, wow uh, Iron Man two and and Iron Man and all that, but man everything like the <laughs> the way that the story unfolds in the Avengers is just so fluid and it feels just so there's so every much beat there. hits when it's supposed to absolutely everything every transition works when it's supposed to mm-hmm. it's so it's so tight considering what they had to uh oh, yeah. work with and yeah and it's like impressive. like every character gets ample screen time too which is oh, yeah. so difficult to achieve with something like this well yeah. some might argue that that hawkeye and black widow hawkeye especially get kind of the short trip a little bit, but they still managed to get him some development. I mean, despite the yeah. fact that he's under a spell for two thirds of the movie, um, yeah. they have that heart to heart after he kind of comes out of it. Uh, he and he and Black Widow do, and that I think that actually they crammed a lot into that one scene. Um, Absolutely, yeah, yeah. This was uh, this was kind of on on a much much bigger scale, but it was uh, the anti Iron Man two with with all that right. kind of filler filling in with a bu- with a bunch of. Uh, mythology building stuff right and and it really 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 paid off well um yeah it's just it's just the the lack of motivation like oh oh yeah this is the thing i wanted to say and we can start wrapping this up soon but um (laughs) tiny when you said that you liked loki and because he was a power hungry uh jealous guy or whatever i was like in in my head I, i wanted to say like yeah, so was Iron Monger, and so was Abomination, and <laughs> so was Loki and Thor, and and so was Red Skull, and all that. But I mean, I I'm being facetious, but it kind of 
the movies kind of follow a, a the villain motivation in the Avengers was slightly was wasn't up to par for me as a viewer and those comparisons are easy to make because I feel like there wasn't much to work with in terms of him giving having a full fully fledged uh, uh fully formed motivation it's just he he literally pops up in the middle of uh, into the middle of nowhere like okay i'm going to i'm going to take over this world um it, it's just it's just weird i guess it's an extension of his of his um existential crisis or or his his the revelations of his, of his family and, and Thor, but just something about it just just didn't really sit sit right with me. But, I'm with you. Yeah. Okay. But, yeah. People Teaser. love him though. Yeah, they do. People love him. They do. And and Tom Hiddleston is fantastic. He's absolutely awesome in the role. I just don't think the character is as pivotal to the universe as. As they think he is. They think he is or, true, true. or want him to be. Yeah. So That's but, fair. Yeah. So So, so yeah, well. predictions. Whew. Will it be better than will Avengers two be better than Avengers One? Will it make more money than Avengers One? <laughs> will it be the highest grossing movie of all time? Until Star Wars comes out. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. And I don't know. Yeah. It'll be fun. I don't, I don't yeah. want to build it up like it. I don't want to, I don't want to be on the hook for saying like, Oh, it's going to blow Avengers out of the water. But I'm, my expectations are well handled, are well managed. I'm not, yeah. I'm not, sh- I, I'm just looking forward to it being a fun time. And yeah, I'm, the lukewarm reviews so far are worrisome. Not in terms of my enjoyment, but in terms right. of how much money it might make. Reception. Yeah. yeah. In terms of, because Joss Whedon's done after this. He's he's not going to be he is doing done. anymore. Yeah. So I'm hoping that it's a good, I guess, send off for him for the franchise. I, I I guess. And it's it's funny because after the Winter Soldier, like I'm like if Age of Ultron isn't up to par, we have. Infinity Wars Part One and Two to look forward to, and I'm sure that the Russo brothers are going to be fantastic in it. Oh, of course they are. Man, I can't wait. Yeah, man, I can't wait. Word. Yeah. Which parting thought? Did you guys see that? That's going to be filming for like, like more nine months, almost a year. Yeah, nine months. It's going to be like all like they're they're going to finish Civil War, and then there's going to be like a break. And I think Chris Evans talked about this, and he's like, and then he's going right into Infinity War for nine months. And then Chris Evans is done. Yeah. 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 Which it sounds like he's ready to be done. (laughs) It does. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But, yeah, but he's he's a soldier. (laughs) God damn it. Anyway, so. He's a captain. He's he's my captain. He can be my captain any day. He can well, lead all the right. ship. All right. All right. So that's it for our retrospective of the Marvel Cinematic Universe Phase 1. Yeah. Um, yeah. And come back next week. We will be back with our thoughts on Phase 2, including our review of Avengers Age of Ultron, which we're all going to see this week, except for uh, or we're, me and Tyler are going to see it Thursday, and Mike's going to see it on Friday because he has a Beatles cover band to go see. Um <laughs> 
And so, yeah, so thank you for listening, guys, and we'll throw it to the pre-recorded outros. Uh, any parting thoughts? I don't think so. Mm-hmm. Looking forward to Age of Ultron. Yep. Same. Enough thing. said. Yeah. Thanks for listening, true believers. Thanks for listening, guys. Thanks. So Motion City Soundtrack is coming to Indy. Yeah, I heard that. Yeah, I'm excited about that. It's their uh, Commit This to Memory 10th anniversary thing. So, oh, nice. Yeah, so like I was super bummed that they weren't going to come here for the tour. And then I saw that and like my immediate thought was like, Justin, Justin Pierre must have, must have listened to the podcast and then <laughs> decided to extend the tour to come to Indianapolis. Um, you know, he probably did. Probably. He said he would listen. Um, so, you yeah. think he did? No, probably not. But do okay. you think I do? I think that he listened, or that he extended the tour to come to Indianapolis for my benefit. Do you think that he listened? Oh, uh, maybe. I don't know. I, it sucked because, like, I I messaged them about uh, I messaged uh, Junk Show Cinema about doing the Oscars episode with us, and then, but I mean, it's like right in the middle of his tour, <laughs> so obviously, like, I didn't, I didn't get like he, I was glad that I got to hear back from him and hear back from him and like he was all receptive to it. But I mean, you know, in the middle of a tour, kind of, it would be surprising to have him. Yeah. Who's, who's this? Justin Pierre from Motion City Soundtrack, which is going to be oh, at yeah. uh, Old National Center on August 2nd. And I'm going to buy my tickets on Friday and I'm going to go with probably Lawson and his wife. Cool. As always, thank you for listening to the Obsessive Viewer Podcast. Thank you to Loudlike for providing our awesome opening theme music. Their first EP is called Mistakes We Must Make and features our theme song and Eclipse of Events. Please head over to iTunes and download their album. While you're there, make sure to give us a rate and a review. It helps us climb the podcast charts, and we really appreciate feedback. Speaking of feedback, please like our Facebook page at facebook.com slash Viewer. And follow each of us on Twitter. You can find me, Tiny, at ObsessiveTiny. Matt is at ObsessiveViewer. And Mike is at I am Mike White. You can also check out the blog at ObsessiveViewer.com, where we, but mostly Matt, review movies, TV shows, and comment on the industry as a whole. While you're web surfing, please head over to our sister site, ObsessiveBookNerd.com, where we review books and comment on the ever-evolving world of reading. If you're philosophically curious, please go explore my side project, The Secular Perspective Podcast, which is a show that explores the concept of faith, religion, and existence from a secular perspective. If you have any thoughts on the podcast or suggestions for future episodes, you can also email us individually at matt, tiny, or mike at obsessiveviewer.com or email the podcast directly at podcast at obsessiveviewer.com. Thanks for joining us today, and please come back.